A reading from Mark chapter 8. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, he said, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all of this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Across the pages and through the years, we hear these words of Jesus, and they still trouble us. It is necessary for the Son of Man to suffer. Take up your cross and follow me. And like Peter, we want to turn aside to Jesus and say, Stop that. You're scaring me. This sounds crazy. Because Peter and the other disciples are eager and ready to declare Jesus the Messiah. You are the Messiah Jesus, the long-awaited one that will violently and epically return the kingdom of Israel to its position of power. No longer will we be aliens in our homeland. Peter and the other disciples are excited about their rabbi Messiah, their teacher. But this is troubling news. After all the things they have seen, they're not exactly sure who this guy is. And like the blind man at Bethsaida, they're not able to see who Jesus is after only one try. It takes many tries. And some of them, most of them, will not know who Jesus truly is until it's almost too late. Not only has Jesus said that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer, be rejected and killed. But he's also made the all too dangerous claim that whoever follows him on this way, it is necessary for them to shoulder their own crosses and face the journey of discipleship, come what may. Jesus does not want to suffer. It is necessary for the Son of Man to suffer. But since the Son of Man is fully human, It is necessary for him not to want to suffer. 
Like all humans, he wants to avoid it. His cross, his scene of suffering, and even in the garden, as he's about to be betrayed, as Mark tells us in chapter 14, he said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. If this cup, if this cross of suffering could be removed, then let it be. But Jesus remembers his mission statement from chapter 1, verse 15. And that is what he must be about. The time is now. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The kingdom of good news is what Jesus has laid on his heart. And he will work to bring it to people throughout the land. This kingdom work of ministry, service, and outreach leads him all the way to Jerusalem and across. This kingdom work of ministry, service, and outreach leads Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., all the way to Memphis and a hotel balcony. You see, like Jesus, King could predict that his life of service could lead to some suffering. It could lead to some suffering, and he probably expected it to. The teacher from Nazareth realized that if he preached and ministered to all types of people, then some types of people would get mad. Those who were in wanted to keep some out. Those who were strong wanted to keep some weak. Those who were educated wanted to keep some not. Those who were rich wanted to keep some poor. Eventually, the tension was too much. The threat to the status quo too real. And he was executed. And like the teacher from Nazareth, the preacher from Atlanta realized that his ministry would butt up against some types of people and and rub them the wrong way as subversive, unpatriotic, and dangerous. Those who were given access wanted to keep some in their place. Those who were taken care of wanted to keep some neglected. Those who were included wanted to keep some excluded. Those who were uplifted wanted to keep some downcast. And as we vilify people in history, how often do we find ourselves associating with those? In his day and time, Jesus took up the cause of some so that all could have a better life. In his day and time, Martin Luther King Jr. took up the cause of some so that all could have a better chance. Jesus and King were committed to worldviews that were bigger than themselves. These worldviews trumped all else, and commitment to service is why we still talk about them today. But how do we talk about them? How do we remember them? What do we think of when we see this cross? What do we think of when we see that Memphis balcony? We can look at these revered symbols as images of suffering. Or better yet, let's look at them as images of service. Their run-ins with the powers that be put Jesus on that cross and made King the target of an assassin's bullet. But we need to consider the rest of the story before we focus on where it could have ended. Jesus did not choose to be on that cross, and King would have wanted to continue his ministry after Memphis. And yet their lives of service... Their devotion to their understanding of God 
And God's vision put them both in those places. To have not continued this journey to Jerusalem and Memphis would have meant to stop serving, to stop being in the places and with the people where they felt God calling them. Did these two heroic men want to suffer? No, they did not. And even though we often try to one-up one another in suffering, no one wants to suffer. But their call to service was stronger than their fear of suffering. Their faith in God, love of others, and commitment to the kingdom of God was stronger than their fear of suffering. It was necessary for them to suffer, but they believed it was more necessary for them to serve. These two servants, our two examples, could have avoided suffering, but they would have had to avoid serving. And there is the deal breaker. Jesus and King were going to serve God and their people no matter what. Jesus could have avoided suffering. There could have been no healing, no feeding, no washing of feet, no kingdom, no good news, no hope, no serving. But then we wouldn't be here today. King could have avoided suffering, but then there would have been no outcry in our country to find a better way for all people. He wouldn't have gone to Birmingham or Atlanta or Memphis. No speaking, no demonstrating, no witnessing, no serving, no giving a speech at the feet of that great emancipator, no dream. But then we wouldn't be here today. Never stop fighting until the fight is done. Never stop working until the work is done. Never stop serving until the serving is done. Avoiding the suffering would have meant avoiding the serving. Jesus and King are not going to sell out that easily. Their God, their people, their mission, their dreams are too precious for that. Jesus and King are no sellouts. Look at this cross and this balcony, not as symbols of suffering. Look at them as symbols of service. How would Jesus and King like to be remembered as sufferers or as servants? I like to imagine they would appreciate being remembered as servants. They are servants, and their suffering is not God's will. No suffering is God's will. Suffering is the world's will. Those of us who are left behind, those of us who travel the roads from Jerusalem and Memphis, what are we to do? We remember that these roads, the Jerusalem Road and the Memphis Road, were not ways of suffering. They were ways of serving. Along our way, we travel together. We're members of a community that is beloved by God. Taking our cue from God, we're to be beloved by one another. In this love, may we serve one another. May we sniff out, search out, and snuff out suffering wherever we find it. Let us not confuse service and suffering. Let us never think that suffering can replace serving, because it cannot. Suffering in and of itself is not God's vision for us. Suffering in and of itself is not good. Sometimes, as a result of our service, we suffer and we sacrifice. But we believe that God is still in charge, And we are still working for a kingdom and a community bigger than ourselves. A kingdom not like the kingdoms of the earth, 
that are satisfied with acceptable amounts of suffering, but asks us to be better than that, not to be defined by suffering, but by serving. A kingdom and a community worthy of our service, our sacrifice, and maybe even as a result of our service, our suffering. But it is a kingdom that is committed to ending our suffering and everyone's suffering because we are reminded by King's words that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Jesus said to Peter, get behind me. But you know what? He didn't say leave me. We're still called to follow, even though we often get it wrong. And then Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. In the example of King following Jesus, may we take up serving and put down suffering. Take up building and put down destroying. Take up hostility. Take up, not hostility, take up hospitality. Take up hospitality. Take up hospitality and put down suspicion. Take up peace and put down weapons. Take up hope and put down fear. The cross and the balcony, Jesus and King, represent serving to end suffering. We're called to do the same no matter what. May it be so on MLK Day and always. Hallelujah. Amen.